Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Hi, welcome. I'm your host, Joshua. And today we have yet another, I know, yes, another. And um, I warned you guys that it was going to be a lot of fake football fights. But I have another one, and this one wasn't even planned. Um, This week, I was just hanging out on my work, and I get tagged by a good friend, George bft pod george and he tags me in on this 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 thread and uh i am joined tonight by the author of this thread this this brave misguided but brave man took his life in his hands by posting a fade austin eckler tweet thread um yes the fusion ffb mascot austin eckler um so i after a few back and forths on Twitter, I finally just invited him on the podcast for a fake football fight. This is why the fake football fight was created to allow full treatment for disagreements, face-to-face fight, no character limits. So um, it turns out this guy, he, he's not just some random nobody on on Twitter and writing from his mom's basement. Uh, he's actually a contributor, a content creator, uh, contributes to a number of sites, including Roto Baller, and is even a uh, member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association, FSWA. His name is Frank Amarante, and welcome. Hey, how's it going? Great to be on the show. Yeah, thank you. You came on pretty short notice, and um, even though I was a little bit of an idiot on Twitter, especially when I did some really bad math with your projections and came out with 20 points more than you really had projected. Um, I appreciate you getting uh, gracious and still coming on anyway. Well, you know, I always love engaging in debate on Twitter. So the way you were just poking at me, I couldn't say no to coming on your show after that. It was a great it was a great prelude, prelude to uh, today's fight. Yeah, so t- so the fake football fight, I was explaining it to you a little bit, but I do want to make sure listeners who, who haven't listened before, yeah, right, as if there's anyone who listening who hasn't listened before, but that's okay, we will pretend. Fake football fight, there's no rules. We are here to just duke it out. There is a winner, there's a loser, both in uh, perception of the listener and then, of course, at the end of the season, when it comes down to the numbers, we'll know who really won. But the fake football fight, it's a new structure. We're going to just go at it. I think I'm going to let him, uh, Frank, I'm going to let you take the wheel. I'm going to let you take the first swing here out of the gate because you, your tweet thread, you did have a good amount of information in there. And so I'm, I'm sure most of your argument's going to be based on a lot of stuff you already had in there. You've already done your research. So I'm going to give you a chance probably to take the first swing once we get going. But then it's on, you know. All right. Can't wait. All right. So without, I mean, we got nothing else to talk about. And even if, even if we did, I, we'll, we'll do it later when we're both, you know, battered and bruised and bleeding, sitting in our corners. Um, we'll, we'll do it later. Because we we can't wait to get to it. So we're just going to jump right into this. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. Here we go. Fake football fight. Round one. All right. So Austin Eckler is a great player. I don't want to take away from him as a player. He's probably the second best receiving back in the NFL besides Christian McCaffrey. But I need to fade him this year for one simple reason, and that's the change at quarterback with Tyrod Taylor. Putting in Tyrod Taylor as a starting quarterback is going to transition the Chargers into a low-volume offense. Taylor's career high as a starter in pass attempts is 436, very low. That's a low number for a starting quarterback. And the Chargers have several mouths to feed on offense. You got Keenan Allen, you got Mike Williams, you got Hunter Henry. So it's going to be one of the first main reason why I'm out on Eckler is because this low volume approach is going to have a severe effect 
on his receiving production. Last year, Eckler put up 993 receiving yards. Huge number. And I really think that number is going to not only regress, but regress significantly. So Tyrod Taylor's low volume, but he's also a scrambling quarterback. I, I, I went back and researched since 2010. There's been 24 separate occasions where a quarterback has rushed for 500 or more yards. In that, out of those 24 quarterbacks, only two running backs on those teams eclipsed 50 receptions and 500 yards. That was Christian McCaffrey in 2017, where he had 80 catches for 651 yards, and also LeSean McCoy in 2010 when he had 78 receptions for 592 yards. Fact of the matter is, a scrambling quarterback has a real negative effect on a receiving running back. I'll also draw your attention to a gentleman by the name of Andrew Erickson, who writes for PFF. He he wrote a, a insightful article that really go, delves further into this idea of the negative impact of scrambling quarterbacks on uh, receiving production for the running backs. I would encourage you to check it out at PFF. He really provides more of an in-depth account than I am right now, and check that out to see more. And a simple factor, is, the simple reason is that the scrambling quarterback, rather than checking down, they're going to try to run off to get that first down when all of their reads are covered, and, and they're less likely to check down. So that factor is going to really affect Austin Eckler's receiving production. Now, another reason why I'm out on Eckler is that the team is still high on backup Justin Jackson. They they look they're they're going to give him a role in the running game. I went back and checked out the 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 volume uh, allocation with Eckler and Justin Jackson both on the field when Melvin Gordon was out with his holdout. And in that span, it was three games. Eckler had three thirty eight carries. Jackson had 18. So over 60% of the carries, but hey, this Jackson's going to play a role. And Eckler's not the biggest back. He's, he's um, 5'10", 200 pounds. You might see Justin Jackson eat into his role in the red zone and, and take away some goal line carries, thus limiting Eckler's touchdown upside. I'd also add that the Chargers drafted Joshua Kelly in the fourth round. So these moves are clearly signifying, they're trying to tell us that the team believes that Eckler needs some help to carry the load. Like He's a good player, but it doesn't look like he'll get more than around 13 carries per game. And with, the, with what I said about how Tyrod Taylor will affect his receiving production. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be enough to make him an RB1 in 2020. Now, I'm going to also add that a lot of you might be saying, well, you know, Tyrod Taylor is a bridge quarterback to Justin Herbert. And that's true, he is. But if you look at the supporting cast that he has, they have a great defense. They have an improved offensive line getting Trey Turner from the Carolina Panthers, a great guard. The pieces are in place for Tyrod Taylor to, you know, manage the game with a strong defense and get off to a strong start for the Chargers. If he's winning football games, they're not going to bench him for Justin Herbert yet. They're going to be patient with their first-round rookie. And now if you look at their schedule to open the— All right, Frank, hold, hold, slow down, slow down. All right, so uh, I got to jump in here and address a few of these before you get too far ahead of me. Okay, so am I correct that so far you've said— that Eckler is not going to get as much of a... I, I can't tell whether you're saying he's just not going to get as many or he's not going to get as much of a target share, um, but mostly because your point being Tyra Taylor. And then you're saying the other running backs are going to be involved, and then you're saying that uh, the just game script-wise, especially with Tyrod, that they're going to they're gonna try and slow down the game and so there's just not going to be as much offensive volume to go around. Would that be fair? 
Yes, there won't be as as much volume to go around for Eckler. Tyrod doesn't throw to the running back as much. So that's going to, I think, significantly regress his receiving. Okay, well, we're going to go right there, the first point. Okay, so the idea that Tyrod Taylor does not throw to his running back. Now, it's interesting. You did talk about two uh, running backs in the past that have had the 500 reception over 500 receiving yard seasons. And you mentioned one of them being LaShawn McCoy. All right. Interestingly enough, LaShawn McCoy, in later in his career, played with Tyrod Taylor. Now, the season you're referring to for Ty- for McCoy, where he actually broke the 500, is one of the actually few years he broke that many. He wasn't particularly um, like high yards per reception, but he had a lot of receptions. So that year was 2010. It was one of his best seasons, 78 receptions, 592 yards, right? That's the one? Yeah. And then he had another mm-hmm. one with 52 uh, receptions for 539. That was his big, you know, big best fantasy season 2013. So he, those are the mm-hmm. two years he repeated. Yeah. Uh, what if I told you he also broke the 50 reception mark two other seasons, actually three, but two other seasons, two of them being 2016 and 2017 in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor. The problem is his yards didn't break the 500. But I just want to talk about the volume because you're just saying he doesn't throw. So that you, what he does with it, that's a different issue right at this point. Is that fair? Yes. Okay, so we're just addressing the fact that he doesn't throw. Well, he kind of does. He got 77 targets. He threw the ball 77 times to LeSean McCoy in 2017. Um, we did not see Tyra, I fully admit, we did not see Tyra Taylor throwing the ball much in his brief time with the Browns. I think that was just more because of the team thing and the running backs and so on. And it was just a bad situation all around. But he had some good years in Buffalo. And like I said, 77 targets to any running back is no, that's not small, right? Well, it's Um, not. It's still a big decrease from his 100 and Eckler's 108 targets with Philip Rivers last year. That's that's fine, especially considering that Buffalo it was at that time the definition of taking it slow, relying on your defense. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Tyrod Taylor only threw. I have it here. He only attempted 420 passes that season. Um, that was only 14, 15 games. He left in the middle of one of them. So he started 14 games, 420 passes, 2017. So that, yeah, not as much volume there for sure. I completely agree. But that's kind of my point is even with that low of volume, 420, um, LaShawn McCoy still got 77. I'd have to dig a little bit more to see exactly how many of those 77, I mean, there's two games in there where he got some passes from someone else, obviously, but I think the point still stands that uh, as much as it maybe it goes down a little bit, I, I'm a little wary of, I'm, I'm a little wary of overdoing it and, and making that too big of a deal. I mean, what's, if you had to put a number on it, what's, what's the percentage decrease that a running quarterback like Tyrod um, would give their their running backs if, I mean, if it was a one-to-one situation, right? If you just, same team, same offense, you just swapped in a different quarterback who now ran, is it a 10% decrease, 25%? What? How much would you guess? It'd be tough to put a number on it, but if I'm just guessing, I mean, this is just out of... This is based off just yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna get get you on this. So maybe like at least twenty percent de- decrease in my opinion. Okay, at least twenty percent overall production with his receiving. And, and you're so you're gonna include production in that too, not just targets. Yes, I don't think with Tyrod he'll keep up his ten yards per reception uh, career norm. 
that that you could see a de- decrease there as well. Okay. Okay. So uh, he had 103 last year. Okay. We're going to say that goes down by 25%, like you said, 20%. He's around 77 targets now. Okay. 77 targets. That's low. That's low. Um, the next point you had, actually, we're going to skip past the, the, the other running backs. Um, and I want to, cause I think this kind of flows into the idea of the game script and slowing it down a little bit better with Tyrod. Um, I, I look, I don't disagree with a lot of the points you're making. If, if, if no one's figured that out yet, I mean, it's a fact pretty conclusively that yes, running quarterbacks tend to throw the running backs a little bit less. We are disagreeing on the degree to to which any of these factors are actually going to affect Eckler. We don't necessarily agree on the the facts, right? Mm-hmm. So let's see the 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 last three I have here when I do my projections, um, I pull up an average for the team from just the last three seasons. All right, and it's not a lot can change. Three seasons can be very different seasons. So this is just an average. It's just a quick number to look at and kind of gauge against. And for the last three seasons, the the Chargers have been pretty static. Like compared to a lot of teams, they haven't changed a ton in the past three seasons. Obviously, it's going to change this season. But previous three seasons, would you agree it's pretty static? Yes. So they have their average here as being... Uh, 5,955 yards on 564 passing attempts. Um, how much do you think that's going to go down then? I, re- I mean, the passing attempts with the way we've seen out of Tyrod Taylor's career and the, how often he's thrown, I think, I don't think he's going to, let's say, let's assume he plays a full season, which he, Probably won't, but let's assume he plays a full year. I don't think he would get more than 500 pass attempts. Okay. That'd be a huge jump. That'd be a career high by over 70. I don't know if I could really see that happening. That's fair. Yeah, I think it was 427 in 2006, uh, 2016 that he, he had. And then the following year, we talked about 2017, he had 420. And those were on 14, 15 games. But you're right. It's it's He hasn't beaten that. Sorry, it was 436 in 2016. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, you take that over a full full 16 games. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can do some quick math, but it's not breaking. It's not breaking 500. No, it's going to be tough. For, I can't see that happening. Yeah, it's just under, but it's not breaking 500. All right, that's fine. And most likely, unless Tyrod Taylor, how can I say this? Um, I don't think Tyrod Taylor is playing the whole 16 games unless he's playing really well. Fair? Mm-hmm. It's now, true, if, but... But? I know where you're going to... I have a feeling you're going to be saying that if he's playing well, that likely means Eckler's doing well also. But Tyrod Taylor playing well might not be, might not translate to fantasy specifically with throwing the ball. He might be playing well in uh, limiting turnovers and and doing just enough to get by with that strong defense, but okay. not necessarily doing so well in the air and helping out his. Uh, and helping out the fantasy value of his pass catchers. Okay. Now, the AFC West is not, and the AFC in general, there are no slouches. So as good as, as, as decent as their defense has been, um, it depends a lot upon a couple of key players, like such as Bosa and so on. Um, they've had injury issues in the past, especially in their secondary. You know, just seems to always be plagued. Uh I'm just not sure, especially they're going to be playing the Chiefs twice a year. Broncos look like their offense is going to be improved. Raiders, same thing. Um, 
I'm not so sure they're going to be able to just sit back and rely on their defense. They're, they're going to have to throw and put up some points. It's true, again, especially against the Chiefs and Bucks and Saints early in the year. They play those three teams within the first five weeks. Yeah, they're going to have to throw it in those games. I agree with you. Okay, and um, maybe that could even open up a sell high on Eckler after those games because okay. those would because those would be games where they'd have to air it out. And then Eckler might have his best games of the year early on. So that might give you a window to sell on him. I, I would concede that to you. I think. No, and I would I concede could... that back as much as we don't like conceding on face fo- fake football fights. That's an, that's an excellent point. Um, I like doing things like that in season. Uh, those are kind of the calls I like to make around here. Did the similar thing with like David Johnson last year in the beginning of the season. It's me too. Me too. Okay. Exact yeah. same thing. Exact. It reminds me a lot of that. All right. Um, we disagree to the extent, but I, I again, I understand the points made. Um, then you said running backs, the other running backs. He's got Justin Jackson, who has been, you know, pretty decent and involved. And then they draft Joshua Kelly. Um, I will say it's interesting because, I mean, none of these backs are all that different i mean i know justin jackson is is tall but i mean he came in as a prospect prospect actually weighing less than eckler and um joshua kelly we think of as being you know the the big guy and he is he's much heavier larger bmi but he's he's technically shorter than justin jackson so I'm not sure that they're really all that different. I would, of course, agree. Probably they're going to at least try using, you know, Kelly in more of the bruiser grinder role. But um, especially since Eckler's got the receiving, you know, he's got that handled. Um, I just wonder, you, you said you couldn't see him getting more than 13 uh, rush attempts per game average. Is that correct? Well, I mean... That's what I think he'll get. I, I could see him getting like 15, but I, I, this by no means do I see 18 per game. If you go back and, like I said, when he played with Eckler, uh, sorry, when Eckler played with Jackson, he averaged around 13 carries per game when Gordon wasn't there and, and Jackson was there also. So he's, this isn't going to be a workhorse, but we know that. It's more about the receiving production with Eckler. It's just that I think one of probably like you said, Kelly. Hey, maybe Kelly's going to take the goal line carries because he's a big, bru- big bruiser, and Jackson's more of a change of pace. That worries me that Eckler might not really see much red zone usage. Yeah, he he was actually surprisingly um, effective in those games where he was the starter. He had pretty low yards per carry, which is, I don't know if you're going to bring this up. I probably shouldn't give it to you. But um, the idea that Eckler has been able to um, play with Melvin Gordon around, taking the attention. And so he hasn't had to deal with, you know, eight in the box, especially with now a new quarterback. The, the best argument I've probably heard about Eckler doing bad is is that, that teams will be able to shut down the run game and challenge Tyrod to throw the ball. So it's, it's almost the reverse of what you're saying is what I'm going to say opposing defenses are going to kind of force um, Tyrod to throw the ball maybe more than he would like to. Um, and It's possible. Yeah, and it's going to depend upon if they involve Eckler in that or if they try to run him up the middle and he gets shut down. Well, I'm sure they're going to use him and try to use him as a receiver. It just Taylor tends to look to the perimeter and and chuck it deep like he did to Sammy Watkins back when he was in Buffalo. Yep. So and like I he's just he's not that accurate Taylor either. Well, he fed Jarvis Landry fairly short. Uh, Landry did play a little bit more outside than he did in Miami when he was with the Browns, but he still got fed um, 
a decent amount of targets without, you know, without them being long deep passes. It's true. So I think Tyrod is just capable of that. That's my only point in bringing that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's capable, but he's not the best in that regard. And yeah. it's good news for Keenan Allen, is what basically really. To be honest, I'm totally out on him too. I, I'm not a big fan of this offense with Tyrod at at the home. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe at this point, we're getting down to really what our our disagreement fundamentally is about these players. Is that I've really come around to more of the opinion that as much as a good quarterback can really make the difference, and we're talking, and I, I'm seeing it as more like a bell curve that the really good quarterbacks can really make a difference to their team um but there's a really wide majority in the middle of this bell curve where it's the offensive players that are really making the difference even for the quarterback and dictating whether that average quarterback is going to be seen as um Derek Carr his first two seasons or Derek Carr now right essentially mm-hmm. I hear your point. And so that's kind of where I come from. And so when I'm looking at Eckler, I see someone who's always been efficient with what he's been given. And I know there can be lots of football reasons that people can give for that. Like I gave earlier that, well, he's playing in space. He's got other weapons. Well, it's not like those other weapons are gone. Mike Williams has improved. I've been out on Mike Williams but I'm almost ready to get in on him, at least in Dynasty Cheap right now. I like him. Him, I like. Yeah. Uh, he had the big, you know, touchdown season as a rookie, but I was completely out on him because I thought it was completely, you know, unpredictable, and I, I just don't like that kind of player. Uh, Keenan Allen is still there and still good. He's a ridiculous value, even if you don't like him. He's going way too late in so many drafts right now. Um, Hunter Henry, we'll see if he can stay healthy, but, I mean... We'll see. To me, Hunter Henry is actually possibly the biggest point as far as Eckler goes is because I could see if Henry is effective and used, I could see him eating into Eckler's receiving work more than anyone else. Um, but if he's injured or just not that effective and is just a you know a red zone uh, weapon, then I think that leaves a lot of work for for Eckler in the receiving game. And as a receiver, which we both agree, is where Eckler uh, is best and gets you the most points. That's true. It's a fair point because Taylor targeted Charles Clay a lot back in Buffalo. He did. He didn't have much to work with either. So Yeah. But I wanted to add to what you were saying about how the supporting players often elevate the average. Like most quarterbacks are not in that elite tier and they need that strong supporting cast to to elevate them. But I'm not even saying like Eckler needs a good quarterback. I would if he had, let's say, Derek Carr, who just loves checking it down, I'd be very high on Eckler this year. It's more of just Taylor's more unique than most quarterbacks. He's one of those unique scramblers who's like the team will build an offense around him where they just run so often that he just is going to have a negative impact on his on his receiving group. So it's not necessarily that I even need an elite quarterback for Eckler. What I'm saying, it's just there's a handful like him. Like Lamar Jackson's amazing. I love watching him play. He's a top three quarterback in fantasy, top two. Um, but he's not good for the receiving production of a running back. And even though he was good throwing the ball last year, they're not going to, it's not going to be a high volume passing game. Uh, so he's one of those and Taylor's the other. There's not many like that where like, I mean, look, Lamar threw it 400 times last year. So these type of quarterbacks, I, I, I'd say actually Lamar and Tyrod are the only two who I would make, who who I would downgrade Eckler like in the to this extent, the way they the way they play. Yeah, and I I think back to to other running, uh, other running quarterbacks. Um, and it's funny because there's also there's other guys um, like uh, I think it's Rich Rebar coined the term uh, Konami Code, and that the 
the, these these running quarter quarterbacks can help uh, running backs. Um, but that's more for what you're for what you, you just said. It's more for, exactly. It's helping the running game. It's opening things up. So I wonder if I mean why can't that also help Eckler in the running game? Um, and we also have instances where the the Konami Code quarterback still did pass to, you know, the 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 running back. I mean, we have Michael Vick with the Eagles throwing to McCoy. But I'm just trying to think of some other examples. I'm just I don't know if if it's that um, black and white that it's receiving versus rushing. I'm not saying like he's going to totally crater Eckler's receiving, but he's just going to make a regress. He's going to cap its up the upside in the receiving game. Like he, if we look back on Eckler's career, I'm really confident that we'll say this year was his lowest receiving total in terms of being a full-time starter just because of Tyrod. Like, like I'm not saying he's going to get less than 500 receiving yards, but I I think there's going to be a, a big regression. And to, to your point about helping the running game, I agree. It's going to help Eckler in the running game. I'm just thinking that, I mean, his career high in attempts is 132. Obviously, Melvin Gordon was there, and that was a big reason for that. But the fact that they still speak highly of Justin Jackson and that they drafted Kelly, like I said. And then I have a quote here. It's back from May. Uh, I found it from Roto World. Uh, the Chargers offensive coordinator is saying that all three are going to share the load. Obviously, Eckler's the lead back, but the other two guys are going to chip in. So, I mean, how many carries would you say Eckler would have this year? What would you think? I did a projection run-through that that isn't necessarily what I think is my final thought, but I, I just kind of did... The whole team and the way I do my projections is I kind of start I start with the players and I work my way up and I see how now it compares to the averages and to the the quarterbacks and what they're capable of and then I kind of work it back down again um, and and either increase or decrease things as as seems to fit um, league averages and, and just a lot of other things so when I intentionally kept everything as low as I felt was reasonable. And Mm -hmm. I only gave Eckler 10 rush attempts per game for 160. Mm. I only gave him 88 targets, which is, you know, higher than that 77 that would have been the the 25% decrease, but it's still less than he's had in the past per game. It's only five and a half targets per game instead of the 6.9 that he had last year. Um, at least when he was the starter. And I, I did increase his yards per carry from the, the pretty bad 3.9 he had in those four games um, because, like I said, I think he could improve in that area. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I only gave him three rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns. You, you do all of that, and I still come up with him scoring 239 PPR um that's that's right on the edge of running back you know 12 usually running back 11 and he's adp as you pointed out is running back 11 right now um i saw him recently somewhere uh it was 13 12 or 13 actually but that's right i mean it's right adp go figure is kind of right well it's interesting the projections and then leading to that that was from last year. I'm going to just see if maybe last year was a particularly low-end year for running back. It is the average of the past three seasons for oh, okay. each positional rank. So that's oh, why okay. if if I – and I, this is something that I am going to be getting around to sharing with all the listeners here, something I'm still working on, uh, is a real cool sheet that kind of shows um, the average uh, PPR points for the each position each positional rank and the name of the player doesn't matter it's just whoever finished quarterback one in the past three years i took their points and averaged them and so sometimes the averages look a little off because like somehow they'll see the the rb 13's average is higher than the rb 
uh, 11s or something like that. Um, and that's just the way the averages and work years with spikes work. You know, if, if it was a lot more seasons, that would probably get, um, that would probably smooth out a little bit better, but I don't want to do a lot more seasons because especially, and this kind of goes into Eckler, I think we're seeing a lot more running backs being used like Austin Eckler, even in the last three seasons. And we see who has repeated. I mean, you, you talked about this, the, the 50 receptions, 500 yards, who's repeated that even in the last four or five years. Well, it's been Alvin Kamara every single year, Christian McCaffrey every year. Uh, These are the kind of players um, that we're seeing used in this way. And I think I really see Austin Eckler as another Alvin Kamara, essentially. He's he's more durable (laughs) Alvin Kamara. Yeah, less explosive, but I see your point. But I just wanted to make clear that the 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 stat about the 50 catches for 500 yards, there's been more who have done that since 2010. I was just saying players who did that with a quarterback who rushed for 500 yards. Absolutely, but I I have to point out. I wanted to say that because there was a lot of confusion on Twitter when I originally tweeted that out that they thought I meant like since 2010, there's only been 24 running backs who flips that total. I just wanted to clear that up. No, no, absolutely. But on the other hand, I do have to point out some excellent work made by Josh Crocker. Uh, In response to you, he pointed out that since 2010, he took all of the cases and found what the percent of them was that did it. And it's 8%. It's the same exact percent that did it with rushing quarterbacks. So is there really actually a difference between rushing versus non-rushing quarterbacks when the same percent of the running backs are doing it either way well i'll i'll go back to the article i mentioned by andrew erickson on pff and he found that uh quarter there is this the strongest negative correlation was from uh quarterback scramble yards versus running back targets negative 0.54 so he's saying Basically, that quarterbacks who scrambled for the most yards targeted the art running back the least. So, for example, you see Devin Singletary in Buffalo with Josh Allen doesn't do much in the passing game. And I would argue that is correct on the average for most running backs. But when you have a running back who has done it before, who is capable of doing it, I don't think that holds as much weight. I think that matters to, you know, the, the Raheem Mostert's and the, uh, the Dalvin cooks and, and those more kind of average type of, of running backs. I don't think it actually impacts the Alvin Kamars and the Christian McCaffrey's and the Austin Eckler's. That would be my counter. I, yeah, it won't, they're still going to get theirs. They're still going to eat in the passing game, but I, I would say it, it will basically prevent them from really taking off in that regard like it's going to cap their upside like maybe Eckler this year instead of approaching a thousand yards he's closer to 500 yards or he's at around the 600 range like he's still going to be a factor there I'm just saying it's going to really cap his upside and right. I wanted to add to your point about uh your projections which to me it's great work, the fact that you're using the average of the last three. And um, the projections you put in weren't even too optimistic. They were pretty conservative and reasonable. And you found that he would be at basically running back 12. And these are pretty persuasive points. But I'm going to also add that when I'm taking my running back in the late for, in the first two rounds, I want a guy that has a chance to finish in the top three and or top five, like really blow up and have a career year. And I don't really want to play for that, like because for Eckler, I don't see uh, an like I don't see a scenario where he just totally blows up and he finishes in the top five or even yeah around top five, let's say. So I'd prefer someone like. Miles Sanders or Kenyon Drake or Josh Jacobs in that range. 
it's more of that. That's another reason why I'm I'm not really high on Eckler is I don't see as much upside with him because of Tyron. Okay. This hey, this ties into kind of my last final point that I would argue is, uh, and that kind of goes to back to what I was saying about the the players themselves mattering and the, and the ability of the players in the past. Um, I and I have a metric to kind of demonstrate this, but it's just also just the concept of just Eckler is an efficient player. He's been explosive. You know, we say he's not as explosive as Kamara, but he still ran off plenty of big plays last year. Um, so what I did was we've all probably heard about fantasy points per opportunity, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's It's been around a number of years. Actually, it seemed to be getting used a lot like two, three years ago, and I haven't seen much about it lately. And it's an interesting metric to use. Um, mostly I see it or saw it used just to compare running backs. Um, however, I took it and I, what I did was I weighted um, rush attempts by two and a half to get them to equal one target. So it takes two and a half rush attempts to equal one opportunity and a target equals one opportunity. And this is kind of comes from the idea like uh, Scott Barrett has that you need two point, I think his number is like 2.83 rush attempts equal one target as far as fantasy value, fantasy point value. So I kind of took that, that idea and, um, and I used that. So now I can kind of compare between receivers and, and, and running backs and also within running backs because some are more used in the passing game than others, right? So mm-hmm. Eckler has been one of the most uh, efficient, high FPPO running backs in the league for the last three seasons. Um, his first season was very high. His second season was a little bit lower. And then this past season actually was higher than any of them. And he had the most volume he's he's ever had. And so what I see when I see that is a player who is efficient with a little bit of volume and a player who is efficient with a lot of volume. And you can say that the offensive situation and quarterback, right, is going to decrease that. Sure, sure. Um, But when I do give him this very conservative uh projection as you admitted that that this is this is i think his floor personally basically i wanted to see what does his floor look like what if they're just plain bad the offense is bad what if it's just all bad i think this is his floor so you were talking about you want someone with upside what i'm saying is if i take this volume this low volume i'm giving him and i apply his average fantasy points per an opportunity over the last three years he would actually be scoring 285 PPR, even with this low volume, if he is if he's at the same high efficiency. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I think the truth is somewhere in between. I think his efficiency is going to go down, but I don't think his volume is going to actually be this low. And one thing I do want to point out is it's and it's been observed uh, or pointed out by others before is that. That Justin Herbert, you know, rookie quarterback taken in the first round, I think we're going to see him this year because I don't have faith in Tyrod Taylor, especially with that early season schedule that we talked about. I don't have faith that he's going to have them with a winning record by, let's say, week six or seven. They have a week 10 bye. So if he doesn't have them to like six and three somehow, maybe five and four, I don't see how... I don't see how Justin Herbert's not starting after the bye. And and personally, this is kind of a side note. Personally, it always bothers me that these teams um, switch over at the bye when it seems to me really they should be getting Herbert in there for weeks eight and nine and let him get his feet wet. Against weaker teams. And I'm, I, do, I don't even know who they're playing. This just is a principle. You're probably oh, okay. right. I do think they are weaker opponents, but... Yeah, they are. I'm looking now. Just get him, get his feet wet, and then give him a, that that bye week to like assess and adapt and just okay, breathe, rookie. Like okay, let's go over. Let's see what you did good. Let's see what you did bad. Like use that week 
not to prepare him to start, but to let him adjust. And um, anyway, like I said, I side... like that because yeah, that's a that's a good point. Like especially because after the bye, they're in Denver, that and then in Buffalo. Like that's not the those are tough places to play. So yeah. So in my projection, I have Herbert. I have Herbert for nine games and Taylor for just seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Herbert, I'm not a college football guy. Um, I have no stats to attest to this. I just have the word of analysts that I trust saying that he does dump it off to the running back. And maybe as a rookie, he's not going to be quite as... Uh, it can go one of two ways, right, with rookies who are capable of running. And Herbert's athleticism is highly underrated, I think. Um, he can he run. Athletic. He just didn't a ton in college. But he's extremely athletic. I mean, he actually he killed the combine. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you see that going one of two ways. Like sometimes the, the rookie comes in and he just scrambles like crazy because he panics. He doesn't know what to do, right? Or you mm-hmm. see someone like Kyler Murray last year, who we thought would actually run more than he did, but it seemed like he was maybe a little bit stiff and wanted to like prove he could be a pocket passer and, and was trying to play within the system and do his checkdowns and all that. So maybe it, it can go either way. And if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to say he's he's going to go with the latter. He's not going to be scrambling all over the place. And so Eckler's you know, target share could go back up under Justin Herbert. It's true. If if Herbert plays earlier than I think, and at the time that you're saying, all bets are like my whole Eckler, fading Eckler will be thrown out the window. I'll be probably trying to trade for him. My outlook on like Eckler is a player I really like. It's just the it's just the tie rod factor for me. And I know you're saying he might like he. There's a strong chance they won't have a five and four or better record by their week ten buy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be, I think we can shoot, shoot the difference there. Four and five is probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes. is that enough to, to let them go with the rookie? I mean, there's all kinds of variables there, how he looks, you know, behind the scenes and how confident the coaches are in him. He's a first round quarterback, and on average, they start like 10 games. So, I mean, it wasn't like a top six. What it was, he's a sixth pick, right? Um, I, I believe so. Let me just so, come. Yeah, it's it's tough to think they're gonna. It's really hard to think they're not gonna try and get him out there, especially if if they don't if they don't win a couple of those big games early. That suddenly they think they have a chance against the good teams, but if they get crushed by those good teams. I think they're looking to move and and give Herbert a chance as soon as possible. But anyway, did did you have another point with the with the schedule? No, there there's a few winnable there. There's some tough games. But I'll even add about how you said Herbert's really athletic. Hey, if he runs, he could have the same negative impact that Tyrod had, but at least yeah. he'll throw more. Yeah, it, it could be it could be just a continuation of just like how it was under Tyrod. I I agree. It's possible. We'll have to see. It'll be interesting. All right, Frank. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my final salvo here, and, and just say that, and then you can you can finish it out, and you can return some punches here, and close this out. But uh, like I was saying, if if you want upside, I actually think Eckler is it, and because and he, and here's the thing, especially we're all talking about Scott Fishbowl and tournaments and stuff right now, and and sometimes, and I did this in my myself in the past when you're going into a tournament, and, and you can have this mindset of oh, I want to I want to pick the guy who's going to be the, the the big player, right? But the problem is if you reach for them, then uh, it doesn't actually help you because like other people are getting them for less, which means their opportunity cost, you're losing out because now you're not getting other good players plus the guy who's going to be, you know, you think is going to be your winner, but you're not getting him at a value. So it's really not a net positive for your team. Eckler is that sweet spot, I think, where he's falling away into end of the second, uh, mid-third round. He's running back 12, 13, and ADP. Um, 
I'm saying the points he's scoring, he's I, I think he's that's his floor, and he has the potential with just a little bit more volume to really blow that up and be a running back uh, six to eight, let's say. But the return of investment is that is is fantastic there. Um, Eckler does not have to increase much uh, in volume or efficiency or touchdowns in any of these areas to be a, a nearing a 300 point uh, running back. And he was like he was a little over 300 points last season, and we all thought that was fantastic. And he's going to be the starter the whole season this year. He doesn't have Melvin Gordon around for 11 games. Um, so that that's all I'm saying is that if if you're saying you want an upside guy, I don't get it because I think Eckler is it. And even the the scenario here's, I love pointing out um, you know winning scenarios. You know, last year I I joked about this. And then in my back of my mind, I was like, you know, it's probably going to happen. I joked about how probably the doomsday, and it's not even doomsday, but I joked about how the scenario for uh, Tennessee and we were all fading A.J. Brown, right? And I was like, here's what's going to happen. Marriott is going to do terrible or get injured. Tannehill is going to come in and just go crazy and start throwing the ball to A.J. Brown like he's uh, Jarvis Landry. (laughs) Um, and sure enough, it actually happened. I wish I had really like projected it, not just joked it. Um, but those are the kind of winning scenarios where you say, well, I could buy Tannehill for cheap. I can buy AJ Brown cheap because this could happen. And the floor isn't terrible, not the price. So I'm saying Eckler at his floor, at his price, it's not bad. And I have more confidence in these receiving backs, even if it's lower volume than what we'd like to see. It's still more points, more consistent points week to week. This isn't this isn't uh Derrick Henry even having these big games and then next game nothing. This isn't gonna be this. He's gonna be more consistent for you on a week to week basis, and that's gonna be valuable in and of itself. Plus, like I said, he has that outside. And the scenario is those early games, they have to throw. They're playing, like I said, Tampa Bay, the Saints, and the Chiefs. They have to put up points. Eckler's involved. He's having great games. But they still lose, right? They're great fantasy performances, but in in losing games. They still lose. Justin Herbert comes in, like I said, and he falls in love with Eckler too, just like Rivers did. I mean, he's going to have his other receivers, but guess what? Those other receivers, they can have good seasons too. I think I have Keenan Allen for somewhere around 240-ish points. Okay, that's still borderline top 12 wide receiver. But they I, I believe in a offensive synergy and that the, the offense is productive and it gives more opportunity to everyone else. And so I think uh, I have Herbert kind of doing better than Taylor, at least in the passing game. And there you go, boom. Austin Eckler, you buy him at running back 12 price and he gives you running back six with 310 points. Just like that. I mean, the point you made about the tournaments and how you want to sort of make hope to make contrarian plays to set yourself apart from the competition, I'd be more inclined to look at Eckler in that scenario just because, like you said, I mean, his stock, a lot of, I think it's mixed on Eckler. There's guys like there's, there's analysts, there's people like you who are high on him. And there's those like me who are skeptical because of tie rods. So that could create a buying opportunity in the tournament type of league. I'm thinking more in, in a head to head, the classic 12 team or PPR. I'm not, I'm out on Eckler. Just, I could see, I could see Justin Herbert. He's going to play. He'll likely play. It's just that I I just think with Taylor, it's it's not going to be pretty. And I don't like the fact that he won't be getting. He was not going to be too involved in the red zone. And those eight receiving touchdowns are really going to regress. I know your projections are showing. Uh, even though they're conservative and RB12, but I just don't, I I don't see him really blowing up like you're saying. So I'd rather, 
I'd rather go with a Miles Sanders, a Kenyon Drake, just players who are in offenses that I think will be much better than the Chargers. And I won't be taking Eckler. Just the Tyrod Taylor factor. Can't get that out of my head, really. All right. He's in your head, man. He's in your head. All right. <laughs> hey, Frank, I respect you for uh, putting up a fight, even though, uh, you know, I, I think you're wrong. But uh, you're still here fighting it, and uh, I respect that. All right. It was it was good going toe-to-toe with you. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll, we shall see. We shall see how it goes. Um, I mean, I, I understand your point that you think maybe there's some guys there that have even higher upsides. You named Drake and Sanders, and I can understand that. I can understand that. So um sounds like you're not opposed to drafting him. You're just saying, like I mentioned the term opportunity cost. You're just saying that he he's always going to get taken before you would, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And maybe I'm falling victim to a bit of the fact that he didn't start as his team's running back from the beginning, and he's an undrafted former run. He was never drafted, and he doesn't really have the look of that uh, featured back at an undersized frame. Maybe I mean, maybe there's a little bit of bias in that sense, but. I mean, I still do like him as a player. It's just overall, it's, yeah, like I said, the Tyrod Taylor factor and the fact that they drafted a running back and Joshua Kelly. Yeah. And still like Jackson there. I'm not sure they like Jackson is the thing. And I'm thinking Kelly's more about that. Um, it just, I mean, you you quote, I didn't really actually hit this earlier. I meant to. You quoted that, that uh, quote from one of the coaches uh, like a month ago. The funny thing is, it sounds very similar to what they were saying in August of last year. It's true. There's about how both guys are going to get involved. I pulled up a quote. I have a tweet. I, I couldn't find it right now, but I, when that came out, I made another tweet where I showed the two quotes side by side, and I was just like, I, I don't believe it, you know, because they said this, and then what happened the first two games? You showed the splits. It was sixty percent Eckler, and that's about as much as we could hope for in any, you know, any backfield. So I, I don't believe words. It's true. Coach speak could be, you should tread lightly with it, but. Yeah, they just drafted the guy. What else are they going to say? Come on. <laughs> um, Going forward, though, regardless of our position, is there anything constructive we can take out of this? Um, I'm going to say, like, is there something we should keep an eye on that would maybe make you either uh, more confident in your take or maybe less confident that we could see in training camps, maybe if Herbert's if they just blowing up and they love Herbert, and it maybe even Herbert right from the beginning of the season, you know, maybe they just decide to go with him week one. I mean, how would that affect your your take on this? Something just for the people to keep in the mind as we get closer to the season. I would definitely be much higher on Eckler if that were the case. Like if Justin Herbert's looking great in camp, he's tearing up preseason, he has a chance to start week one, then my whole fate of Eckler will change. It's just, it's basically about Tyrod. So that, that would make me be more into Eckler. I would put him, I would likely, it'd be really debatable for me between him, Drake and Sanders in that scenario. Uh, to make it work, to make me like continue to stick by this fate of Eckler would be if uh, Herbert is just really struggling, looks inaccurate, he's not grasping the playbook, he's likely looking like they're talking about maybe giving him like a quote red shirt type of rookie season, then that would make me continue to be out on Eckler. Okay, well, that's going to be the key then for everyone out there. Just keep an eye on Herbert. He he seems to be the key, uh, and I, I would agree there. You know, if if Herbert's just playing doing bad, then my scenario where they want to get him involved midseason is maybe less likely. So that's just something to keep an eye on, and uh, I'd like to try to provide something a little bit targeted. I remember I kind of did a similar thing. Uh, with Ronald Jones years a couple years back, I was like, let's keep an eye on him and to see if they get him involved in the passing at all in preseason. They didn't, 
stay away from him, right? So it's these kind of things that if we can key on in one thing, it can really help make our decision-making a lot simpler. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see. Yep. So that's what we'll keep an eye on, and we shall see everyone. Check out Frank. I didn't even mention it earlier. I, I said where you work, where you, where you have your work at Roto Baller, um, but your Twitter is f amarante t f j. That's at f a m m i r a n t e t f j. I will have it in the description for the the podcast here. Uh, so you should be able to just click on it. Yeah, check me out on Twitter. I'm always happy to engage in debate like we did here in this fantasy football fight. Absolutely. I can I, I can recommend that. I'm, I'm a reference for that fact. All right, thank you, Frank. We'll see you around. Thank you. Take care.